This podcast is the overflow of a three and a half minute song called Jesus Happened. You can expect raw and real conversation, stories, and testimonies of my personal Jesus Happened moment, along with many others. So here we go with another episode of the Jesus Happened podcast. they can be delivered of anxiety of addiction yeah of sexual perversion of all these things they, <laughs> they didn't know i'll hear that a lot like i can be free of this hey 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 everybody hey y'all Welcome back to the Jesus Happened Podcast. This has been so much fun interviewing my friends and talking to y'all about Jesus happening in my life and their lives. It's just been an honor and a pleasure to testify to the glory of God. Um, Today, I have a very, very, very special guest who happens to be my pastor Pastor's wife, pastor, sister in Christ, spiritual mama, whatever you want to call her. Her name's Cheyenne Eakin, and she's originally from Mississippi, but has been in Nashville for the last 14 plus, maybe 15, I don't know, a long time. She's been here for a long time, and the Lord radically encountered her on her staircase in her house um, about six or seven years ago and invited her into rest. And if you don't know what that means, or if you want to know more, then you should definitely keep listening. Um, This episode is a little bit different because I decided that I didn't want to take out anything just because all of it was so fruitful and helpful and amazing. And I really believe that um, you're going to want to hear it all. So I decided to keep it long. It's a longer episode, but it's worth listening. So go on a long walk, take a drive, um, or just lay on your floor and let this conversation uh, encourage you and warn you um, into the truth of Jesus. Um, Yeah, I just pray that you are blessed by this conversation. And whoever you are out there that you listen all the way to the end, um, because there's just so much gold nuggets of gold. Um, from her life experiences and her Jesus Happened story. Um, So without further ado, here's Cheyenne Eakin. Hi, Shy. Hi, babe. (laughs) I'm so excited and expectant and Mm -hmm. humbled. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it would be really cool if you just kind of started with kind of how you grew up. And what that was like, because I know it was in a church. I am a wingard. I'm still working on memorizing those words. Right. It's so good. I'll Uh, write them out for you. Yes, please do. Mm -hmm. I always forget heaven bound, which is really sad because that's very important. Yeah. (laughs) We are heaven bound. Amen. Oh, thank Um, you, Jesus. So will you just kind of tell whatever you feel, however long, there's no time limit. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yay. I love you. I love you so much. So much. So You're much. so pretty. <laughs> You're so pretty. And so fun. <laughs> You're fun. Maybe they'll meet little girl in here. What? <laughs> So hard to explain when you can't see her. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, I'll start at the very beginning, please. So I was born dead, <laughs> but actually <laughs> and broken. Wow. Yeah, and you know that's probably the most consistent story I heard wow. growing up, and is a pretty big story. I mean, my mom was being prepped for a C-section, and I was born breech. Wow. And it was a it was a big old deal. And um, the doctor had dreamed that he lost my mother a few weeks before that. He actually had lost a woman in childbirth right before that. And uh, he loved my mom. Whoa. He stopped cussing because of her. Come on. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't seem to believe in God at all. But after the miracle, um, he gave God credit because uh, a head nurse who had just recently been baptized in the Holy Spirit um, told my mom the whole story. Was this in Mississippi? This was, we lived in Columbus, Georgia, but we had crossed the bridge, the river, (laughs) and I was born in Phoenix City, Alabama, which Kevin holds over my head. I didn't know that. Girl. Alabama roll tide. See, I'm a Mississippi (laughs) girl, so I don't know. But I was born in Alabama. And he, of course... Oh, he just lets you know. Great. He yes. lets you know. Oh, he lets me know all the time. Does he call you an Alabama girl? Oh. Oh. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, <laughs> God bless Alabama, but. Right. <laughs> You're from Mississippi. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, oh, anyway. Um, Wait, so the doctor had a dream that. The doctor woman... dreamed. Well, he lost a woman in real life. In real life. Then he dreamed that he lost my mom, and he loved my mother. <laughs> and so my dad actually saw when he heard that my mom was going into labor. Um, she had tumors, so she started hemorrhaging. He closed his whole office down. Even the secretary came because of what it was going to do to him if he lost her. Hmm. And he gave instructions, she can have another baby. We're not losing her. Okay. So I, I, actual instructions to disregard me, like nobody was fighting for my life, wow. but God oh. and my mama was praying. Well, she was out of it when all this was going on, but she had prayed every day that she would have a little girl with brown eyes, brown hair and dimples. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. And so, um, she had already, already prayed for me, you know? So when I was born, the nurse said, um, that I was completely dead and my major bones were broken because I was breech. He was, he basically twisted and just wrenched me out of my mom to, you know, to get me out. And, um, she said she covered me with sheets, wrapped me in sheets, laid me aside. And at some point my mom said, what is that I hear? What do I hear? And she said, I looked over and the sheets were moving. (laughs) And she said, I unwrapped the sheets and your daughter was perfect. (laughs) And so she, you know, uh, for six weeks I was black and blue from my hips down and no one could come over anything. And, um, but the nurse would come and get me and take me to every nurse's station in the hospital because she, they made fun of her for her, her faith. And she would say, 
You've heard about this baby. Now you tell me there's not a God. Woo! Woo! <laughs> uh, I don't think I've heard all that before. Well, wow. I was raised with that story. So I knew from, you know, as early as I can remember anything, I knew there was a God. Yeah. You know? And then when I was six years old, um, a preacher came through the church where I was and scared me to death. <laughs> you know, I mean, stories that no child should hear. Oh, Lord. And so, you know, at that point, I had been taught if you didn't speak in tongues and you died, you're going straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> or if you wore makeup or cut your hair or wore jeans. So, anyway, I'm really, really, really grateful yeah. for our heritage. I'm so thankful that I was raised in fear of the Lord. Amen. Really and truly. It's a great place to start. Amen. It's the beginning of wisdom. Yay! So, <laughs> so start there. <laughs> yes, exactly. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. And to know him, knowledge of the Holy One is insight. <clears throat> so um, at six years old, I wanted to go to heaven. So I would go to the altar and I would cry for two weeks until I threw up. <laughs> Can you explain that? Because I've pictured this a hundred times and like I can picture it because I know you and I know your zeal and you're driven and you're determined to get to God at all costs. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Cause a lot of people don't care that much. So when you're six, you're at the altar at the UPC church. Yeah. In Natchez, Mississippi. In Natchez, Mississippi. And you're literally like begging God to speak in tongues or what was. Oh Yeah. Right. And so you would throw up because you were crying so hard? Yeah. You literally would throw up. I was in such a state of... um, (laughs) Thank you, Lord. I was desperate. (laughs) I was desperate for him. You know, I didn't know he loved me. Nobody told me that part. (laughs) They missed a big part. <laughs> yeah. They might have told me, but all I got was hell was real. And that's where I was headed if I didn't speak in tongues or if I, you know, wore makeup or anything. But I was six, so I wasn't quite there yet. But wow. so I didn't, I didn't want to go to hell. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, a lot of people make fun of that kind of teaching. They say it's all a myth. It's not. Hell is real. Yeah. And I'm really thankful you know, a lot of people seem to come into Christianity um, because they're so good and just come on in and you're amazing and God's just going to bless you. And man, that's just, that's just not the whole gospel. Right. So I'm really thankful. Some people would look at that story and be like, oh, that's awful. No, I, I'm thankful. Thank you. I'm Jesus. glad that I began, I began in fear of the Lord. And so, um, wow. my little friends came to me one night and they said, Tara, because my first name is Tara. Yes. That's what they call me for a while. Tara, why, why aren't you coming to the altar? And I said, my mama won't let me because she said, you're not going to throw up tonight. <laughs> you sit here at the seat while she prayed for people, you know, and they said, well, we'll just pray for you here. And, uh, I got it that night and wow. it was a one syllable. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that was enough for me. <laughs> 
I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it, but I got it. Hey. Yeah, I got it. Okay, we have oh, to. Oh, you can have it. But that that's how I felt. I'm like, it's just a yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got it. I'm good. Wow. You know? So um, the next time I remember really experiencing the Lord, I was 11 years old. Wow. And um, a lady had visited our church. She was a self-proclaimed backslider. She looked like a movie star to me. She was the only one in the church with makeup on, you know. Whoa. And so I thought she was just gorgeous. And I started crying on the front row. And my, my mom said, my mom was a pastor's wife at this point, And she said, honey, what's wrong? And I said, well, I just can't stop crying because I feel like, and I named this lady, I said, I feel like she has to come to God tonight. It has to be tonight. And she said, baby, that's what we call a burden. And if you really feel that, you need to go tell her. And so I I just remember going back that aisle, down that aisle by myself, falling into her lap and begging her with everything I had to come to Jesus. Wow. And I said, it has to be tonight. And she said, oh, honey, you're so sweet. But but she wouldn't come. That was on a Sunday night. And Wednesday morning at 3 a.m., our phone rang. And she had just been murdered by her ex-husband. Jesus. And when I heard the phone, I went to my parents' room. I heard what had happened. And now I knew that God was real. Yep. God speaks, even to an (laughs) 11-year-old. And when he speaks, you better listen. In that moment. In that moment, that was very clear to me. Because you were, you've always been sensitive to him. Well, that was the first, I mean, it's the first time I heard him. Right. You know. Wow. (laughs) But you mentally noted this, this was real. God's real. I heard him. He speaks. He speaks. He speaks to his people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it matters when he speaks. Wow. Mm -hmm. Woo. Amen. Okay. So. So then 17 was the next time I remember. I love this. This is so fun. <laughs> this is, is amazing. So, fun. so six years old, 11, and then at 17, I suddenly realized that I didn't pray. Wow. And and I felt like I should, you know, <laughs> and I didn't like to. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember visiting a church one time where my mama was preaching, and we were in the prayer room, and I didn't want to be there. So every time... <laughs> every round I would make by the clock, I would inch it up just a minute at a time. You would? Uh-huh. And so pretty soon everybody looked at the clock, so it's time to go in the audience auditory. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then when they got out there, they couldn't figure out why that clock was so fast. <laughs> but we were out of the prayer room. I mean, I really, I didn't know how to pray. Yeah. And you had to sing. And that was just a joke. I mean... A lot of people knew I was doing it. I wasn't hiding it. I just thought it was funny. I mean, now it's not funny. But (laughs) anyway, at that point, I thought it was funny and didn't think a thing about it because I didn't really know how to pray. So I was just bored, you know. So I told God, I said, Lord, I don't know how to pray. Uh, I I found it very boring. Would you please teach me? Wow. And I had a dream that night that my mom came to me and put a mantle on my shoulders, a long brown mantle. And she said, you can wear this for a while, but be careful with it. And when I woke up, there was a light streaming into my room. 
Wow. It, I mean, it was completely heavenly. And I went into prayer for probably two hours. Hmm. And then the Lord said, I've called you to preach. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave me a sermon. What? Yeah. And I wrote it out. It was uh, forgiven, now forgetting. And two weeks later, I was asked to speak to a youth group. My brother was preaching in a church, and they called and asked if I would speak to the youth group. Well, I already, ha- already had the sermon. <laughs> and when I preached it, because I'd had sexual abuse at 14, it had taken me a long time um, mm. to forgive myself and to put it behind me. Well, at that youth group, there was about a 70-year-old, maybe, probably in her 70s-year-old lady with one leg, and she was on a walker. And she came up to me afterwards, and she said, um, when I was much younger, I was going to commit suicide. And I called my pastor, and he talked me out of it. But the gun accidentally went off and took my leg. Wow. And tonight's the first night that I've forgiven myself for that. Wow. <laughs> now, that was at 17. It was... Um, I didn't preach again till I was about 41. Wow. <laughs> but I had the call at 17. Woo. Whoa. <laughs> what? I had an appointing, I guess you'd say, but I, there was not the anointing to do it, and there certainly wasn't the character. Whoa. That's a whole sermon. Man. That makes me think about some things in my own life. Right. Well, I started anointing myself with oil in 1999. For what didn't really break open until, um, that was 99 until 2014. Wow. So just because we have a dream doesn't mean it's today or tomorrow or even (laughs) next year. Yeah. Because the Bible says that until it was time for the dreams God had given Joseph to come to pass, God tested his character. In prison. Yeah. In the pit. In the pit. Yeah. And then the palace. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I'm having so many revelations in my own life. <laughs> Thank <laughs> like, you, <whoa>. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so then I made the first move out of the UPC. Okay. You want to hear about that? Yeah, I want to hear about that. Okay. So yeah. what happened with that was um, a girl came to me at church one night. And how old were you then at this point? Uh, I'm going to say around 18. Okay. It was somewhere between 17 and 19. Okay. I'm not positive. Um, a girl came to me. Did you go to school this whole time? I've never mm, asked you that. I went to public school my first two years, and then it was um, a mix of either a Christian school or homeschool okay. the rest of my life. Cool. So um, a girl came to me one night, and she said, I love your church. I feel God here, um, but I really miss my makeup. Wow. I don't feel pretty without it. Um, why, why can't we wear makeup? Well, I was, you know, at least 17 or 18 and had never questioned that. Wow. You just didn't do it, you know? And, um, now I would, I would do it in my grandma's bathroom when we visited (laughs) and you should have seen me trying to get it off. I didn't know how to get mascara off or deep, deep (laughs) plums and purple lipstick. (laughs) 
I wanted to see how I look with with it, you know. Yeah. Well, her colors were not my colors, so I, I looked awful. So <laughs> I, I never was tempted with it. You're like, I'm fine. Like that looks awful. <laughs> Why do people wear this? Right. Exactly. Right. But she missed it, and so I went and asked, you know, one of my leaders. I was like, "What? Why do we teach against this? You know?" And um, they gave me a sentence that the prostitute, the harlot, um, put on makeup, and I said. Well, I see that, but there's just a comma there. And she also took a bath and put on perfume. <laughs> so if we teach this whole thing, according to this scripture, why can we take baths and put on perfume? Come on. And there was no answer. Woo. So the no answer was an answer to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. It was like, I, it literally felt like the world stood still for a minute. Because suddenly I was questioning everything. I'm like, if well, I don't think that's enough scripture for that. And if that's not to be based on, what else? Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I kind of shut myself in my room and, and I just said, Lord, this girl has equated us with you. Mm. If wearing makeup is not a sin... And she thinks it is, and that she can't get to you if, if she doesn't go through us. Mm-hmm. Lord, if she walks away from you, is her blood on our hands? Woo! Jesus. And that was my... So I want to clarify, I didn't leave our religion because I wanted to wear makeup. Right. But I suddenly saw that someone who really wanted God, there was a heavy burden put on her. Woo! And what if she thought mm. she couldn't get to God? What if she turned away from him over something that I wouldn't even sure was scriptural anymore? Does that make sense? Yes. Total sense. So I left because of her soul. I didn't want her soul to be on my hands of the blood. Um, and so. So um, like from an early age, you cared about people's souls. That's what I'm hearing. This theme, not only your own soul at six years old, but at 11 you cared about that older woman's soul. And then 17, you know, you care about this woman's soul who comes to you and asks, what's the deal with the makeup rule? And you realize, wait a second. First of all, I don't know if that's scriptural. Mm-hmm. And second of all, if this woman is wanting God and this burden is put on her and it's going to cause her to walk away, I don't want to be a part of that. That was the only reason. Wow. There was no other reason. Wow. And then my next prayer was, Lord, I pray for people at the altar. But what about people in the grocery store? (laughs) And so that day I went to Sack and Save right across the street. And I came home with a a young black lady and her son who had asthma. And I brought him in. My mom welcomed her and we prayed for her. And the Lord touched her. And that was my first sign of evangelism outside of the church. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Was it a rule to only pray in the church for people? Or did you, is that just kind of what you knew? I never heard of anything else. Right. Me too. And my whole my whole um, world was my church. Those were, those were my only friends. Everybody else, you know, they were sinners. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. We had no friendships outside of our church. Wow. Because I didn't know anything. First of all, I didn't know the word evangelism. And second of all, I had never seen anyone do it. 
yeah. in my upbringing too. So, wow. Yeah. So my first outside of the church experience was at a grocery store, which That's is really awesome. interesting. That's been a lot of my. I was going to say, because yeah. you bring up that a lot. You've had multiple grocery store encounters too with evangelism. Yeah. So then after you leave UPC, then how did music come into play? And like, how did you even end up in Nashville? I don't even think I know this. Um, dreams. Okay. Um, yeah. And I remember my mom, there was great concern in my family over me coming out of the UPC. And I just remember my mom saying that she didn't understand it all yet, but she trusted my heart and that she saw me getting closer to God. Wow. So a lot of my friends came out of the UPC because, um, and this is, I think this is a really good word for anyone. They came out of the UPC because they wanted to do the things they'd never been able to do. And there was no balance. So because some of them were doing things that they didn't know by scripture, or the Holy Spirit yet weren't sin, then they either came back in tighter or they just went the whole, they just plunged into sin. Ah. Because if we always thought this was sin and it's not, well then... There, there was just no, I didn't see balance. The I didn't see boundaries. The opposite direction. 100%. Yeah. And for me, because it wasn't about that, I stayed, I mean, by no means pure, completely, you know, because I didn't even know how to walk with God. So there were things in my life, but I never went into the world, as right. we would say. Yeah. I mean, I was, even in music, if I was in a place and there was music playing, I wouldn't let my body move. Wow. One time I did, and I regretted it. Wow. I didn't start drinking. I, I didn't take on the ways of the world. Um, because you were serious. Because I'm serious. You were serious, and you are serious, and you've always been serious. And, like, the way I'm seeing it is, like, I think that's, like, a gifting. I'm just grateful that you are because you were serious about all the things you knew to be serious about. Yeah. And then when you, it became actual God, it's like, yay! Serious about joy. Serious, serious about, about rest. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. And I love that. Yes. I'm the same way. Oh, thank you, so Jesus. So serious. Thank you, and Jesus. And I used to get scoffed at for it. Oh, me too. Oh, people were like, why are you so intense, Baylor? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, why aren't you? <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Yes. Don't you have passion <laughs> for anything? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um. Moving to Nashville, someone heard me sing at a little group, house group, and basically asked if they could be my manager. Wow. Moved to Nashville, and I came to stay with them. And I remember when I drove into Nashville, I saw the hills of the, the city, around the city or whatever, and I, I just felt at home. Yeah. I'd never felt at home. My whole life, I'd never felt at home anywhere until I came to Nashville. That's I how I like, felt. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as I pulled in. I feel like that's kind of a, a common story. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah, for sure. Well, for me, I moved so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we moved around the same five-mile radius. My whole upbringing, my mom and I didn't even have a home address because she just kept moving. So when I moved here and have stayed for so long, mm-hmm. first of all, that's a miracle. And second of all, I really did feel at home here. Yeah. You know, as much as I like, I'm like, I'm a Texas girl. I really love Tennessee. Yes. So that's how I felt too. Yes. Well, I moved here first and then my little brother came and my mama, then my dad <laughs> and my older brother and, and his wife and babies. Love that. And, um, yeah, uh, music, it's interesting. 
I don't know. I mean, I was writing songs back then. Um, I, I I don't know the full story of all that happened. Um, but I, I will say I was writing songs, and I'll be honest with you, I think I got tricked. I'm, I'm pretty positive I got tricked into I had a vision, didn't know how to test visions. Wow. And the vision was to go undercover. And so I thought it meant go undercover for Jesus. <laughs> um, but, you know, underground in China means very different than undercover here. This means like, um, I don't know, be amazing and and get famous. And I mean, I understand now this is a lot of strategy in churches. Well, I was getting the strategy in a vision before I'd ever heard it. Nobody wow. talked about this. Um, but I don't believe the Lord gave it to me because mm. I don't see him ever asking anybody to go undercover ever, ever. And so, um, which it's interesting you're bringing that up because I know a lot of friends in our church and have had similar teachings infiltrate their lives before yeah. coming to our church and also just before they meet Jesus for themselves. But for me, I didn't ever hear that teaching or mm. hear, have a vision or anything, but I just grew up kind of thinking it. Does that mm, make sense? Yeah. So I probably heard it somehow. Yeah. Um, whether it was through a movie or a show or a friend group or something. But when I moved here to pursue music, I also, A, first of all, thought I was a Christian and wasn't. And B, thought I would somehow influence others to Christ somehow. Sure. By not talking about him somehow. Isn't that something? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and I'll tell you what, uh, just a uh, doors opening for success does not mean that you're being blessed. That's one of my favorite things you say. Because we see Satan taking Jesus to the high places, you know, to yeah. a high place. You talk about, you know, going to the top of the mountain. Come on. He took him there and offered him success. And offered to open all the doors and, and 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 bless him in quotation marks, bless him, and give him the world. And and it's really interesting. Once I said yes to this vision, doors begin to open. I Me mean, too. We, yeah, we were signed to Disney. We were signed to Universal pretty quickly. And um, wow, it's a long story. It's a long story. The Lord is good. Um, my brother died. Somewhere in the process, my little brother, yeah, you know, I watched it and there are a lot of stories around that, that I, I intend to talk more about soon. Yeah. Um, but he said before he died that if he got through this, he would stick with a Bible in a pulpit. He knew that he'd been called to preach. Wow. And then he said that if the Lord saw that he would completely turn his back on him in the future, please don't let me live and please don't let this medicine work. And then he said at one point, oh, I see it all clearly now. Satan perverted everything. And so my brother, I think he became aware that he had entered this really strange place in the spirit realm for years leading up to his death, mm. and thought he was doing a good thing. 
you know, and then saw it very clearly before he died. And, um, you know, that's a whole other story, but I believe God took him when he was at his weakest, mm-hmm. most humble, Thank you, most Lord. surrendered when he reached out for him. God <laughs> in his mercy took him. I love when, when you were in the um, hospital with him while he was dying, like I think you said when he passed away, the room went white and like angels and the heavenlies and like everything were around you. And weren't you, didn't you sing shy or what? Was there something? Yeah. Well, I wrote a song about that. My, my little brother and I did music. I don't know if I mentioned that, but yeah. my little brother and I were artists and uh, writers. And um, yes, well, when he died, I sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Because <laughs> he is so faithful. <laughs> Even in the midst of that. Yeah. You know? Wow. I knew he was faithful. I didn't know why my brother died. And even more, I didn't know why God didn't bring him back because I watched my mom be raised from the dead. So I was positive my brother would. And then um, the Lord has shown me since then. He gave me another song in my sleep to show me that it was his mercy that took him at his weakest. Yeah. He said he reached out for me and I just had to reach back. He let us know that he saved him, that his soul was in danger of not being saved had he continued on the road he was on. And so he saved him. Um, Thank you, Lord. At his weakest. You know, Paul talks about that. He says, this man who's in sin cast him out of the church um, to Satan. So he can be, so that his soul his, can be saved. That his flesh can be destroyed that his soul might be saved. And I'm telling you, my brother's body did not look like he had been in battle. His body looked like a battlefield. Jesus. Um, he, he went through a lot, but he went into the arms of Jesus. Yay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So what could be, I mean, what, what is it? Um, what would it, what benefit is it? Is that how it says to gain the world, but to, to lose, lose your, soul. your soul? He didn't lose his soul. He was trying to gain the world for sure, Woo. but he gave Woo. it up. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that God helps us come to the revelation that we don't have to gain this world. Amen. We were talking about that before we started. You were singing a song the Lord was giving you. If we love our life if we love in our life. this world, it says, those who love their life in this world, this is John twelve twenty five. those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. <laughs> care nothing. Care nothing. Nothing for this life. Not even 1%. Whoa. In this world. Right. Because you can't follow Christ if you don't lay your life down. Come on. You can't. Oh. You lay your life down and you take his up. So all that counts in this world yeah. is his life in us. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bible says he is eternal life. Amen. Yay! Yay! So, okay, so did you know that before the, we're going to talk about the 40-year-old no. thing? Okay. So Girl, no. <laughs> okay. So fast forward, brother passes away. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of quit music, right? Oh, I said I'd never sing again. Right. Never sing, never write. I said that before my brother died. Yeah. And you were already married to Kevin at that point. Yes. Yeah. Which is a whole other story um, that I love telling, but we'll we'll save that <laughs> for another day. Um, so 
So then... So in 1999, I'm doing my thing, as usual, up at 1 a.m. Normally, I would be uh, in the, I mean, a a typical 1 a.m. would find me in the basement going through old purses to find a certain lipstick. (laughs) And and typically, it would be before I had an early morning flight out somewhere. Because I just needed that lipstick. So one night, I'm up... Oh, <laughs> see, I always wanted him. <laughs> I know. I just didn't know how to get to him. <laughs> My brother used to preach revivals, and I'd drive for hours because I knew if if he prayed for me, that um, well, I'd fall out. <laughs> but I would feel this peace. I, I didn't know. What I know now, I mean, we feel this at our church. We feel this every day now. Every day. But it used to be once or twice a year, or sometimes it would be once every three or four years. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I knew if my if I could get around my brother, my older brother, he he would lay hands on me, and I would feel what it would be would be a, a blocking out of all the noise that I heard constantly mm. around me. See, I didn't know I had demons. me either yeah and when I'd be in certain services and receive prayer it would all be quieted um which is we can see this in scripture with Saul right right when David would play music Saul's demons were quieted they would leave him for a time and this is one thing the Lord's revealed to me about Uh, praise and worship in this generation they're so addicted to praise and worship so many people have demons that get quieted down during praise and worship Mm -hmm. yeah but they're not being delivered of demons and see Saul was was comforted by music wow but David was comforted by the word of God Woo! and so he stayed free of his demons (laughs) (laughs) demons that came after him and his music drove the demons out so if you are a songwriter or um, praise and worship leader, whatever, and you're listening to this, don't be comforted so much by music. Amen. But by the word of God. Yes. And you think about David only had like a few books of the Bible. Wow. He, he didn't have Ephesians and Colossians. He was <laughs> writing the Psalms because he was, he was comforted by the law. Woo! <laughs> Read it in Psalm 119. Read all of it. Um, so anyway, 1999, I'm up. I'm... I'm immersed in the Nashville life, mm. whatever that is. Um, and <laughs> I had an open vision. I'm in my, I'm on my pink fuzzy rug. I love this. Yeah. In my bathroom. And I had a vision of miracles, the deaf hearing, blind seeing, the lame walking, um, demons being cast out and the dead being raised. And I said, <sighs> God, I want that. I want to see that in my life. And he said, you will, but it'll mean a different way of living. Mm. Well, of course, then I just try to focus on what the different way was. I mean, you know, so the Lord said, I said, Lord, I want to see that in my life. And he said, you will, but it'll mean a different way of living. And then he said, Mm. as a sign of this covenant between you and me, I want you to anoint yourself with olive oil every day for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, 
I'm up too late. I'm being silly. I'm not going to just do a, a religious thing for the rest of my life. And I went to walk out of the bathroom and something stopped me. Wow. And I stopped in the doorway and I said, God, I said it out loud. God, if that was not you, I don't want to do that. But if that was you, I don't want to miss it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said, Lord, I just believe that if you spoke that to my spirit, you can speak to me in your word. If that was you, confirm it. When I open the Bible, I want to see a confirmation. (laughs) I opened my Bible and it turned to 2 Kings 9. And it said, then Elisha said to a member of the prophets, take this vial of olive oil with you and anoint Jehu to be king. And I was like, (gasps) I went and got a bottle of oil. And I think maybe since 1999, I've maybe missed a night or two because of the flu or something like that. Wow. But I've anointed myself every day. And I didn't find out till later what that anointing was in the, um, I'm not Jehu, but the Lord does give anointings to people. I've had several different ones in my life. Yeah. Um, and it is to defeat the spirit of Jezebel. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Bring down the spirit of Jezebel. Yeah. Which I've been delivered of. Praise oh, God. thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, yeah. So I had that encounter. And two weeks later, um, I saw the first sign the first evidence that God had spoken to me. Wow. Now a lot of times um people will get a word from the Lord and and I want to say here if you get a word from the Lord I encourage you to do what I did. Run it by the word, the word of God. The word. So if a friend gives you a word, if you think you hear a word, now I'm not saying you have to open your Bible to see if you should go to Walmart. It's not to say go to Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> but if it can't be found in the Bible, um, disregard it. Amen. Just disregard. So a lot of times when you get a word from the Lord about your future, whatever, um, you'll start seeing um parts of it coming together and, and showing you what will be. But it doesn't mean it's time for that yet, the full measure of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So two weeks later, my mother, uh, we were, my little brother and I were playing a country music festival in Mississippi. We were on some country artist bus, I can't remember. And um, it started playing over the intercom that my mom needed us. It started paging my brother and I. Now, my mom had heard from the Lord about a year before that, maybe a little less, that God was going to heal her. My mom was on uh, 33 pills every morning, breathing treatments around the clock every three hours, uh, massive amounts of steroids. She was housebound due to asthma. Mm. Then the Lord said, I'm going to heal you. Start living like you're healed. Wow. Within a year and a half, she was completely healed. Um, As the Lord began to teach her how to forgive, just all these things. She started living like she was healed. She started drinking water that day. It was just so beautiful. This was somewhere in her process of healing. She 
came to this festival, uh, left with a friend, came back to the festival and died. She was doing so well on her journey, she left her breathing treatment machine in her car. So she had an asthma attack and had no way to to deal with it. Well, when I got, my brother said I passed him off that country artist bus. He got off first and he said I passed him kicking up gravel (laughs) in my faux leather pants and my red cowboy boots with the black (laughs) gloss over them. And I was screaming. I was saying, God, you promised. You promised a healer. You promised a healer, Lord. (laughs) And when I got to her, I listened to her chest, and there was no sound, which meant it was really bad that her lungs were filled. Um, And I heard the Lord say, go get the oil. Now, I'd only been doing this for two weeks. And I said, Lord, but I took that oil with me to the festival, you know. Yeah. I said, Lord, if you're going to heal her, you can heal her without that oil. He said, go get the oil. So I left my mom. Now, I left Nashville pursuing any music to come home and take care of my mom. Wow. Okay. So the last thing anybody could have made me done was leave my mom. Right. At that time of distress. But God said. (laughs) So many, you know what I've never even thought about? That was kind of an equivalent of putting Isaac on the altar. Trusting God. For sure. Literally. So I run across the parking lot to the car. I get the oil, grab my Bible. I slide into the back seat. By the time I'd gotten back, they had her hooked up to a heart machine. Mm. There was a guy in the back um, of the seat. He slid in behind me. I opened the Bible, opened the oil, anointed her with the oil. I had no clue she had died (laughs) while I was gone. And I said, I plead the blood and the word of the name of Jesus over you. And when I touched her with the oil, she came back. She um, threw up all this stuff out of her, I don't know, a lot of stuff came out. And honestly, uh, she was not plagued with asthma again after that. Wow. And within a few months, she was off all medication. She had um, pneumonia a couple of years ago, and the lung doctor said, well, you still don't have asthma. Yay! <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So a lot of miracles when I would pray for people with oil, but um, I still didn't know how to walk with it. Wow. You know, so then, so then my brother dies, anointed him with oil, yeah. didn't work, you know? Yeah. Because it's not the oil. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Paul said when his ministry partner was healed, Paul, who who God did unusual miracles through him, the Bible says, he called his friend's healing the mercy of God. Come on. He didn't like practice his gift. He depended on God's mercy. Amen. Amen. So, um, <laughs> so let's see. My brother died. Now, he had leukemia, but what he really died of was um, aspergillus, right? which is um, a mold or a fungus found in, in dirt, on dogs, whatever. We deal with it most days, but his immune system couldn't handle it. Wow. So he died in July of 2010. In July of 2011, our baby boy, who was named after his uncle, that's his first name, is taken to the emergency room. He almost died of aspergillus. So a month, like a year later to the month. And I realized then that I was in a real, real battle um, against forces that I couldn't see. 
you know what I mean? And you can imagine we could talk for hours just about around one of these subjects, you know? Um, but so, so that happened. My son is diagnosed with four life-threatening food allergies, 32 food sensitivities at five months old. I'm nursing him. So I went full tilt. I mean, head first into natural health. Wow. So I could only eat eight ingredients for three years. There were no juice bars. Yeah, you I made mean, your own. Mm-hmm. Basically, my diet was kale salad <laughs> and raw juices. The only cooked food I had for three years were sardines, cod, venison, and salmon. So I'm like three years down the road from that, living at 98% stress level. Now, I'd had a vision a year or two before this encounter where I was told that I needed to keep my eyes focused. Wow. And I said, on what? And I was told the prize. And then I was told the distractions make themselves irresistible. And when I was coming out of this vision, I knew that my battle to save my son's life was a distraction. I just didn't know how, and I didn't know what to do with that. Okay. I spent a year or two trying to figure out what the prize was. I thought maybe it was my career, a book, a record, tell Joshua's story. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know that my prize, my actual literal (laughs) prize is Christ. I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea, but I was told you need to get your eyes on the prize. Wow. So I'm coming down my stairs in April 2014, I hadn't slept at all. The most I slept during those three years was probably three hours a night. Mm. I was a worship leader at a church. I was a worship leader with um, no Bible, <laughs> no peace or joy, <laughs> and my own righteousness. Wow. You know, um, I lived at a 98% stress level, and I just didn't know any of that was a problem. I thought, well, my life turned hard, and I'm coping with it. Mm. That's what I thought, you know. Wow. And um, Wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming down my stairs one day, and I felt the presence of the Lord. And all I knew was God was in my house, and I was not looking for Him. Mm. So I didn't know what He was doing there. But being a Pentecostal pastor's daughter... I figured it was going to be bad. <laughs> I don't know why, why he's here. I don't know what I've done, but this is not good. Right. That's what you thought. That's what you genuinely thought. From my toes. You thought that. From my heart. Yes. I thought, I don't know what I've done wrong, but it's not going to be good. Yeah. Wow. And I said, what do you want? I fell down on my stairs and I said, what do you want? And in my spirit, I perceived, in this spirit, I perceived the Lord hold out his hand to me. And he was smiling. And he said, I want you to enter into rest. (laughs) He was delighted. Yay! (laughs) He was smiling. He was so happy. And I had no clue what he was talking about. I'd already decided whatever he wanted, I would do it. I knew it was going to be, the only thing I knew for sure is it's God, he's in my house, it's going to be hard. 
Whatever he's going to ask of me is going to be really hard, but I will do it. <laughs> and he said, I want you to enter into rest. rest. All I needed to say was, okay. I mean, what else do you say to God? I said, okay, but I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. And uh, I went on down my stairs to get on with my life and make juice. And, you know, at that point, I, I literally didn't have a Bible. So, I mean, I would read, you know, a devotional. But I would just, I remember occasionally I would make myself read the scriptures that went along with it, but I had to like grit my teeth to get through it. I would do the same thing. Really? Oh yeah. The little recommended. The scriptures scriptures. were so boring. Me too. Yeah. So boring. Mm -hmm. I could apply the devotional somehow. I could get that, but like scripture just meant nothing to me really, Mm. except Psalm 23. And it was just pretty. And well, it, it didn't even mean anything to me. Right. My mom had just told me when I was young, if, if I wanted, if I wanted a good husband, to read at least one chapter a day. So so I would read a but chapter. <laughs> she did. She it worked. You no, know I'm she'll just listen kidding. To this oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. you. Boots. Yeah. She she uh I'm not saying it worked. I'm just joking. But I did I have a wonderful husband. <laughs> but I think that was just her way to make sure I kept reading the Bible. But what happened is I didn't want to read the Bible. So I would just quote Psalm twenty three as I was falling asleep every night. Thinking you were reading the Bible when you were like doing that. Well, yeah, it's just technically one chapter. <laughs> so I chose that chapter, and for years I'd just quote it while I went to sleep. <laughs> that reminds me of Shiloh, <laughs> the you and Shiloh, mm-hmm. just little things mm-hmm. like that, like technical. Yeah, Shiloh's our youngest son. Literal. We have Elijah and Shiloh. Yeah, <laughs> and so, um, so literally, I got a Bible that a visitor had left at, at our church. Yeah. And um, the Spirit of the Lord brought the Word of God to life in me. Mm. Scales came off my eyes. Yep. I was awakened. (laughs) I was literally awakened. My spirit was awakened by the Spirit of God. And I started to see all kind of sin in my life. Wow. Well, I thought I was the best Christian I knew. (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly I, as the word of God came to life in me, I saw why my fight for my son's health was a distraction. It's because it had taken my eyes off God. There wasn't even a tiny bit of trust in God. It was all trust in me and my ability and find out more about how toxins are and how we can get him cleansed. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was depending on natural health at this point and wow. my ability. Your to, strength. Right. At 100%. And um, <laughs> so I that began probably a three to four month intense, intensive journey of repentance. I mean, I would lay on the hardwood floor as, as long as much as I could with a three and a six year old, yeah. you know, and I would repent of guilt and worry and stress and fear and anxiety. Um, and I remember telling the Lord, um, I'm human and I have emotions. And he said, yes, just don't let them have you. <laughs> I mean, everything's so easy to him. Easy. Like he's just not stressed out. Mm-mm. He's never stressed out. <laughs> and, uh, I started learning to trust him. I'm still learning. 
Amen. You know, but as I was delivered of a spirit of fear. Now, um, fear can be a gift sometimes as in this is dangerous run. Right. Okay. Fear of the Lord is one of the biggest gifts we have. Yes. Right. But to fear evil, to fear man, the Bible says fear of man is a snare. The Bible says don't fear him that can kill you. Wow. So like literally the Lord doesn't excuse (laughs) or justify or validate fear, even if someone's coming to kill you. But fear him that can throw both body and soul into hell. That's what the scripture says, Hmm. which means to fear the Lord. And I've learned that if you truly fear the Lord, you won't fear anything else. Amen. You won't fear the future because you see him as great and mighty. Yes. And he's the God who created the heavens and the earth, but lightning flashes from his fingers. Like (laughs) the God who holds us safely, lightning flashes from his finger, flashes from his face. Mm. This God can be trusted. So I love all this, Shai. This is like such a treasure. I hope you know. Mm. Like I'm so, I've heard these stories, you know, a handful of times, but every time I hear it, it's like just the testimony of God through you is just, I just feel the presence of God so strong. I'm just like swimming and I can barely interview you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised we've gotten this far. I'm so grateful. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So you find the Bible and it comes to life and you start getting delivered of all these mindsets and demons and trauma and all the things in your life up to that point through the word. People weren't like laying their hands on you during the season. No one. You were in repentance Mm -hmm. and deliverance. That's how I picture it. And, and through repentance, you were being delivered. 100%. I would see the sin. Yeah. I would repent of my partnership with it. And then I would cast out the demon that came to enforce it, (laughs) reinforce it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So after that, how did you, how did you maintain rest? (laughs) (laughs) How did you, how did you, uh, how am I? How, how are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a treasure to be guarded for sure. I mean, Jesus is my rest. Yeah. And it's so easy to start trying to do it again. Yep. It's so easy. I mean, because mm. once I was delivered of fear and I want to say at this point, the Lord directed me rather quickly in this journey to Henry Wright's ministry. Yes. I want to say that because it's really important um, to give honor where honor's due. Amen. And the way that I found out that I had a spirit of fear was reading a book called A More Excellent Way. Which I can't believe that my mom was reading that too. (laughs) I just get me. Missy. Yes, Missy. My mom's trying to get me to go to that ministry. It's just so beautiful. I love the Lord. So literally I'm reading this book. And it's about the spiritual roots of diseases and everything that my son battled with. This book showed that oh, it was rooted y- yes. in fear, stress, and anxiety. And I remember thinking, I'm sure this is a good book, but I don't deal with fear. <laughs> so I'm sure he got it right, but not in my case because I don't have fear. And then the Lord showed me that I, uh, my precious mom, which is, uh, she's just hilarious. I mean, like on a, on a car ride or whatever, she's like, Ooh, 
Woo! There was so much like yeah. <gasps> react like right. outer outside reactions to things that I would always like, especially with her being sick and all, I would be her stabilizer. Like, it's okay, mom. It's okay. So I disguised my own fear from myself. Woo! It was like my fear had on a cape and mask and sunglasses and so I couldn't recognize it as fear. Whoa. And um, that's a good word. Yeah. I had no idea that I was living in fear. I was afraid of everything, come to find out. Wow. So I was trying to control it all. Wow. Control comes from fear. Sure does. And so um, when I realized that, I mean, listen, I would be crippled by fear, paralyzed. I would feel like icy cold on me. And one day I heard a sermon and a man said, and my husband called me into the living room and was like, come here. He said later he didn't know why he called me. He just called me. And I walked in just in time to hear a man say, so you've entered the promised land. If you continue to wrestle with fear, you'll lose it. But if you will learn to rest in the land, you will surely possess it. And at that moment, I realized I had a choice. Wow. I never knew I had a choice not to fear. <laughs> And suddenly, fear as a huge, big, black um, thing yeah. that I never knew what day it was coming, and I was completely its prisoner. I saw as a tiny little dot on the floor, and I out loud, I said, fear, I called it by name, fear, I will never fear you again. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> That's how I was delivered fear. Hallelujah. I just found out I could be. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Which was the story of my life when huh. I found out I could be delivered of all the things I could be delivered Woo. of. Woo. I just didn't Woo. know it. Uh, and then when I found out whoa. I had the choice, <laughs> I chose. I chose freedom from all of it. You know, I think that has been such a beautiful a story with a lot of people who come to our church and yeah. I'm sure around the world. Yeah. When they find out they can be delivered of anxiety, of addiction, yeah. of sexual perversion, of all these things. They, <laughs> they didn't know. I'll hear that a lot. Like, I can be free of this? They think it's just their lot in life. That's what, a lot of people call it their cross to bear. That's or what I used to think. Mm-hmm. That was just me. It's just how I was. Going to mm-hmm. be forever. Going to have to deal with it. Uh-huh. Going to have to hide it. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can you talk about how when you got delivered of fear, how Shiloh... Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I was delivered of fear, my son was healed. (laughs) Asthma is incurable. Food allergies are incurable. You know? I mean, we lived in a state of emergency all the time. EpiPen... I mean, it was, it was bad. We almost lost him twice in one week at five months old. So it had, it brought so much fear into our lives, you know? Yeah. And when we stopped fearing the thing that wanted to kill him, wow. he was freed from it. <laughs> Jesus. Jeez. And he's 10 now? Yeah. He eat whatever he wants. Thank you, Lord. He sure does. Yeah. So, um... Wow. Well, then I remember one of the, the things that I feared at that time in my life, there were so many. Yeah. Um, but one thing was I just heard of ISIS. Wow. Okay. And I didn't have any friendships with Muslim people. So I didn't know anything but that. 
And so I had a garage sale and um, a Muslim lady came and Kevin had just left. And so I was very fearful. I, in my mind, because I just heard of all the crazy situations around the world and had read about uh, people being here. And my mind was, uh, she's come to find the Christians. They're going to come out and kill us. That's, I honestly thought that. And so I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I learned to talk to him. Um, because what I found out is the reason it was it was a distraction in my life. It had taken my eyes off God. So doctors, family, friends were all applauding me for my efforts, but God wasn't because it wasn't connected to faith. Like, Whoa. So now I'm learning, ask him what he wants me to do, not figure out what I should do. Woo! Right? Amen. And so... Um, I just heard the Lord say, well, you can choose fear or love. And I said, oh, I just got delivered from fear. I can't do that again. So I walked over to her and I started talking and she was so sweet. And at one point she said, what do you do like for work? And I said, I meet here. And I don't remember what nights we were meeting. I think Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, seven o'clock, and we worship Jesus right here. Because I was like, if we're going to go in, let's just go all the way in. Here we are. And um, I noticed she was limping, and I asked her if I could pray for her in Jesus' name, and she said yes. She had spent a lot of money at doctors and chiropractors. Wow. And um, she said, when I touched her and said the name of Jesus, she said something flew out of my knee. And she came to worship and brought her daughters (laughs) and asked if we'd pray for the other knee. And I said, church, well, not church. We weren't a church yet. I said, "Um, y'all pray for her. Extend your hands and pray. And uh, the other knee was healed. And her daughters um, fell out in the presence of the Lord. (laughs) It looked like they just went to sleep. I mean, just boom. Wow. Um, and so all kind of miracles and healings started happening, all kind of deliverances. I mean, beautiful stories and kind of people started really coming a lot. Yeah. And that kind of freaked me out, you know? Yeah. Uh, cause I thought I had to do it. <laughs> right. You know? And so I'll tell you that journey of maintaining rest, I've just recently come into, um, a new level of rest and yeah. learning every day by trusting him. It's all trust. Yeah. It's all trust. And so, you know, any place your heart can't rest, you don't really trust. That's what the Lord it's taught like, me. It's so like your song where I can't rest. I don't trust. Yeah. Every time I sing that, I, I find another place that I'm not oh. resting, which means I'm not trusting. Yeah, and it's not like a scolding. It's like such mercy. It's mercy and love. It is absolute mercy because one thing I was saying before we started this, rest is not a season. It is salvation. Amen. Rest, you put your trust in Christ. And I don't mean take a nap. And I don't mean not work. Right, right, right. I mean trust. Yes. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. Yes. But let it come through trust, through obedience to his word. Yeah, because you could be in the busiest season of your life Absolutely. and maintain rest, a restful heart by trusting in God. Yeah, or you could be at the beach and in absolute stress. Exactly. Right. Wow. Well, I'll say one thing is so many people started coming from the, for the miracles. And I 
I don't do this anymore. But at that point, I'd preach as hard as I could to scare as many people as I could away because <laughs> I wanted to protect the baby sheep who were coming because I was starting to see there were some people who weren't coming just for the miracles, but to learn about Jesus wow. and to become a disciple yeah. of Jesus. Right. And um, I wanted to try to protect them. You know what I mean? And so, um, but Jesus has taught me so much and he's teaching me every day if I'll listen you know, mm. he healed them all. Like he healed anybody who came believing he would heal them. Um, now we see him healing 10 lepers. Yep. And only one thought he was the miracle. They were all thankful. They all were excited to be healed. But only one came back and thanked him. And he got eternal life. He got his sins forgiven. Mm. And that's one reason I think that I get so like, Y'all are just here for the miracles. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they that's how it was with Jesus too. Yeah. He healed them all. Um, so now I don't try as much to weed everyone out. He'll heal them. He'll teach them. He'll save them. Yeah. All I have to do is stay in him and, and let him do it, you know. Yeah. Trust him and obey him. People in ministry are often tempted to um, not only try to be famous or be something, which blows my mind um, because it's not what we're called to do. <laughs> Jesus is famous and he can be the famous one forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, but can you just maybe speak to, you know, you've heard all the messages I get Cheyenne of people that are in ministry who are like you used to be full stress, full striving, unhappy, don't want to tell their pastors that kind of thing. Like if you could just encourage them and warn them in whatever way that you would have wanted to hear, Oh, you know, like what would you have wanted to hear if you, you know, had ears to hear there's a girl or a guy out there who are in ministry, just on a hamster wheel, trying to make it, make it, make it in whatever, um, in whatever that looks like, what, what would you have the Lord say through you? What, what do you hear him saying to them? A few things that I'm thinking about right away. The only platform we need is the cross. (laughs) So I think it's a big mistake to try to draw people to Jesus. I think that Christ is so much about us that we're free to be all about him. And he will draw whoever he's drawing. Amen. We, I feel like we should be so full of him that we tell everyone. Everyone. See, the, the commission is go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 100%. But you can't save people and, and you can't draw them to Christ. You tell them about yes. him. You, you, he just came, he came revealing the Father. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would really say to, to people in ministry is honoring men does not equal honoring God. You can honor many people and never honor God. Wow. If it's fear of man. Ooh. Now, if it's true fear of the Lord and you're truly honoring God with your life, you will give honor where it's due. Yes. But I saw that I was um, in this prison, really, of just trying to show enough honor, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was basically to feel better about myself. Wow. To get approval, to be affirmed. Whoa. And it was 100% fear of man. And so then That's to... That's f- definitely a prison. Oh. Oh, and I could see how a lot of people 
would be stuck in that in ministry mm-hmm. because I didn't come up in it like you right. have seen it, you right. know? Well, you're just trying to climb a ladder. It's right. just a different one, you know? Wow. I'm trying to climb a ladder. And so I get calls text emails from around the world and a lot of them are people in ministry i had a a pastor call me one time and say i want to know if you're serious do you really mean it that we could actually have peace and joy in ministry (laughs) and the answer to that is yes if if you're in christ not just in ministry come on because he is where we rest but if we, you know, we were just talking about it in Mark 8, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus multiplying the fish and loaves. And then they get into the boat. They only have one piece of bread. Our kids were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> one one loaf of bread with them. And they start arguing about, we should have brought more. I mean, they're in the boat with Christ who just multiplied to thousands. There's just a few of them in the boat. And he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And I, I just have to think that at least part of what he was talking about was you still want to do it. You still think you have to do it. I'm in the boat. The bread of life, the multiplier of everything we have was in their boat. With them. With them. And he, he literally says... Um, don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you understand yet? And it's like we can be in ministry without being in Christ. Right. Sure can. We can just, it can be just another job. Mm. It, it, it can be something that people even honestly think they're doing for God. But the Bible says that God gives us the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And in Hebrews thirteen twenty, I believe, talks about God producing through the power of Christ the good works that please him. Wow. It's, it's God, God who produces it. It's in God. Us. God. Who starts it, who does it, who finishes it. All of it. Because it's all by faith, and he's the initiator and perfecter of our faith. One of the reasons they wanted to do it was because they wanted the honor and the glory and the power and the applause. And just to feel better about themselves. And to feel better. I feel like if we could stop trying to feel better about our life and just feel great about his. Laying your life down is, once you understand what that means, you see it as the greatest relief. Amen. Laying your life down, responsibility for your life, love for your life, wanting applause, wanting the satisfaction of having done it, laying your life down and taking his. I don't know why people see it as such a bad thing. It is, it is heaven. It's heaven. It's rest. Yeah. Well, I feel rest. I feel so grateful because if you've been listening to this podcast at all, this is going to be episode six or seven. I don't know, but I talk about when I met Cheyenne and I walked into the auto body car shop and I saw her eyes from across the room and I felt the tangible presence of God in that service. And now after hearing all of this and like, even after you experiencing God on your staircase, when he invited you into rest and now you offering that invitation to others, meaning he's doing it through you. Like we just said, 
that's what we're called to do. And I feel like I personally spent a lot of my life looking for my gifting, my calling, and my destiny. And that was my number one search because I wanted to please God. Mm. But you can pursue and even find um, a calling and a gifting to work out of and destiny and completely miss God. Yep. But if you find God, you won't miss anything he has for you. And I just, I didn't know before he encountered me, I did not know that he was actual. God to me, and I didn't know this till he wasn't anymore, but he was a distant somewhere, hopefully someday deal in my life. Yeah. Um, but God is actual. And suddenly I realized that he had always been with me, <laughs> always watching me, always loving me, yeah. always. What I was awakened to first was his extreme love. And that love, literally, kindness brings us to repentance. That love so overwhelmed me that I wanted to give everything to him. I, I suddenly understood my life and my baby's lives were not safe in my hands. Wow. Only in his. Wow. <laughs> but like actually. But really though. In his. And so um, the thing is, the Bible says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. Plans um, to, to prosper. prosper you, you know, not to harm you. And I feel like we're so conditioned as Christians to seek the plan. But he didn't say seek the plan. <laughs> he said, and you will find me. If you search for me with all of your heart. And I feel like my whole life I had searched for God's plan with all of my heart. I didn't know I could search for God. I had no idea I could find God. Me either. I had no idea he even wanted to be found by me. I was searching for the plan he had for me to please him. I didn't know that what pleases him is for me to want him. (laughs) And once you find him, it is enough for you that he knows the plan. Amen. That is truth. And you never have to know again. I never have to know again. I don't, I never seek his plan. Mm -mm. I seek him. (laughs) And suddenly, I mean, I I still have dreams about things that are going to happen. Suddenly they're just happening. Right. But I didn't fulfill them. I mean, I love, I I believe it's Ezekiel that God says, stand up, son of man. I have something to say to you. (laughs) So the first thing he told him is stand up. And it says the spirit of God entered him and stood him up on his feet. I love when you talk about that. And I mean, if it's a word of God for your life, he'll do it. He'll do it. You don't have to do it. You have to obey. Yes. 100%. But it's the word of God that fulfills the promises of God. Otherwise, you're in danger of birthing Ishmael. Yeah. You know. Will you pray for all the listeners, whoever hears this, Shai, just whatever you feel. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, one day I was at a basketball game, and I felt the Lord very close And he asked me what I wanted. And I knew in that moment that whatever I said would be granted. And I just, from my heart, I said, God, I think so many people want you and they just don't know how to get to you. 
I didn't know how until you showed me. I want to help people get the answer. Because, you know, the Bible says, I don't even think about the scripture at the time. The Bible talks about uh, leaders who have the key, but they won't enter in and they they refuse to let others. I don't ever want to be a stumbling block. I don't ever want anyone to feel the, the need to build a kingdom here on earth that is meant to be received. Certainly not if it's my kingdom. The kingdom is to be received, and the kingdom is peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Actually, I believe it's righteousness, peace, and joy, because Roland Baker says in that order. <laughs> it's his righteousness Wow! and peace and joy, and these are tangible things that we can feel from the Lord. It is the Spirit of the Lord, and so if you're trying to build a kingdom for God, and you're doing it in stress and striving... Make sure you're not trying to build a kingdom that you have not received. I remember one time in Germany, I felt the Lord say, tell the people that my kingdom is not something to be lived up to, but someone to be lived in. <laughs> and so I I just, I want to enter in and, and abide in him. And I want to give permission. I want my life to just give permission to people to pursue him with all their heart, <laughs> enjoy him to the fullest, just receive his kingdom and, and let him build his kingdom through their surrendered life. Amen. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain. Mm. So I, I just pray right now for anyone listening <laughs> who is starting to think, you know, I'm not sure that I know rest. I'm not sure that I have that. Mm. Um, I pray in Jesus' name that you will have your own personal divine invitation. I'm telling you, you do have an invitation (laughs) into rest. Your invitation is the cross. The cross is your forever proof that you are loved and the, the forever invitation into rest. Christ finished the work. He said, it is finished. And we can come in knowing that we are fully loved by God the Father. Knowing that Christ has done all the work. We get to, I'm not saying that we don't do we, we absolutely obey him and he produces good works through us. But all of our working will never lead to faith. <laughs> works don't produce faith. Faith produces work. Amen. The good works. So I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that there will be an absolute tangible invitation into rest. I pray that everyone listening will be completely delivered from any um, oppressive spirit that tries to keep them in a fog, in a haze, pursuing applause, pursuing approval, maintaining something that they, they think you want them to do, Lord. I pray that they will feel the permission and they will surrender Um, themselves, Lord, not only laying down sin, but laying down our dreams and and ambitions. Yes, Lord. 
laying all these things down to enter into rest with you. Oh, we love you, Lord. I'm just so glad you're real. (laughs) Lord, thank you for helping me find you before I died. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Me too. (sighs) And we just pray anyone um, who has that desire to find you will understand that you're completely available and accessible. And, And we're finding a God who we've been found by. It's not scary. See, it's really scary to try to find a God that you don't feel has sought you and found you. So thank you for choosing us so we can choose you. Thank you for finding us so we can find you. Thank you for loving us so we can love you back. As you're praying, I just kept hearing the verse, Hebrews 4.11, Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Jesus. And other versions say, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you so much. I love you so much. I'm (laughs) so glad that you're doing this. It really, really matters. Anything that Jesus says to do really, really (laughs) matters. I I just, can I just... I bless you. (laughs) I'm so thankful that God brought you to our little part of his body. I remember the first time I saw you, loving you uh, immediately, instantly. I I loved you. And then I remember you coming to our house, and I just remember thinking, wow, it would be amazing if she stays. (laughs) That I never dreamed it would happen. Like, I really didn't. Like, I was like, you know. But I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for his life in you. I love that, man, once you heard, you latched on. You never looked back. You, I mean, you're like, yes, Lord. And you've continued your yes, Lord. Yes. You, you've come through um, so many um, traps laid for you. I, one of my favorite things about you is... You were so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I was in a situation recently, and Baylor heard from the Holy Spirit, go check on Cheyenne. <laughs> Boy, she came and checked on me and uh, stirred up a hornet's nest. I sure did. <laughs> I about barreled on in there. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But I appreciated the sensitivity to pray for me so many times when I've needed it the most. The Lord has impressed you to yeah. intercede. And I'm just so thankful for his life in you. I'm thankful for the boldness he's given you. I'm so, I just, I can't even say enough. <laughs> I can't say enough how thankful I am for your life. Um, Baylor's, Baylor's a person who's inspiring me. I mean, you really are. I mean, some things that I'm the weeping. Lord wants, <laughs> wants me to do, you, you inspire me and, and help me see how I can do it. You know, yeah. I'm so thankful for you. Oh, I love you so much. Well, it's important to me. I think I told somebody on an interview today, I was like, you can't theologically debate a life change. Mm, you know, I've right. been saying that a lot lately. So good. I'm like, it's important to know theology. And, and that just means what you yes. believe about God. So read the Bible. That's yes. your theology. Yes. Your Bible should be your theology. Yes. The whole thing, fully divided, equally divided. Yes. But I've been telling people like, I think it's so serious and that's why I'm so thankful that the Lord brought me to EOJ and 
to your house that day and to mm-hmm. the car shop and all the things. Mm-hmm. And now that he's taking me into this season of like giving that away freely, mm-hmm. what I've received, right. I just do it so humbly. I, I pray that I stay so low in that, yeah. in that people people's lives are changed yes and that i bring a ton of people with me to heaven amen you know let's all go to heaven amen (laughs) amen amen i love you so much i love you honey keep going keep burning yes keep yelling out to jesus (laughs) what did you tell me in germany yell louder (laughs) yeah the lord showed me that she uh, you have a spirit like bartimaeus when he yelled out, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And people tried to make him be quiet. And he yelled all the louder. And he got the attention of Jesus and he got his healing. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> make Amen. a ruckus, Baylor. I will. Here we go. Hey, let's go. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>